Good morning, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of Sink or Swim. I'm Lexi. And I'm Summer. And today we're in for a big treat for the second half of our podcast, where we will be doing... Dun, 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 dun. Trivia! Trivia! We've got to work on our timing. We do have to work on our timing and also our name because you called it trivia and I called it Jeopardy. Oh, but I really, you my name. Oh, I was like, my name is Lexi for sure. What? <laughs> anyway, we are today going to be working on a game together. It's somewhat trivia, somewhat Jeopardy, but basically, it's our own little game we came up with in our head. So, seems like my questions are more trivia based. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little concerned about Lexi's questions. <laughs> so we will have fun we will so essentially what we did is we both came up with 15 questions for the other person and we're gonna take turns back and forth asking each other the questions and for each question we get right we get one centimeter added to our total so we get a little bit more dilated the longer we progress through this game and the more we get right and then the first person to 10 centimeters get this is crowned wow the winner so join us along this punny escapade as we ask each other silly questions about women's health and dilate to our full potential should we do side attack bonus rounds absolutely (laughs) let's get started all right who's gonna go first rock paper scissors all right here we go best one or best two out of three it's always best two best two out of three (laughs) best two is an even number (laughs) best two out of three here we go rock paper scissors shoot Oh, both scissors. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Ah, summer Ah. wins. All right, rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Summer wins again. I'm bad at this. Okay, so this means that I get to ask you a question first. All right, I'm ready for it. So I actually made categories um, so I could be a little more organized. And my categories are anatomy, obstetrics, GYN, or fun facts. Hmm. Which of those categories would you like a question from first? I'll take obstetrics for one centimeter obstetrics for one centimeter here we go name three medical agents to treat postpartum hemorrhage okay we have hemabate mm-hmm. we have uterine massage okay well that's not a medical agent but a therapy i guess oh all right we could do txa okay um and we could do apitocin there you go. Good. So on my list of like potential answers, I had methogen, oxytocin, burpitocin, hemobate, and cytotec. So good cool. job, Alexi. You get one centimeter. Woo. Woo. Your fingertip. All right. Your turn. <laughs> I definitely, I didn't organize myself as well as Summer did, so we just have a slew of questions. All right. So take your pick. Let's go. All right. What day of the week are the most number of babies born? Ooh. Monday. Mm, that's number two. Take really? Guess, yeah. Well, because I feel like it's not the weekend. Because if you're scheduling a repeat C-section, you wouldn't schedule it on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Good thoughts. Um, I would have thought Monday because that's like the rollover from the weekend. Okay. Maybe maybe Wednesday, hump day? Mm-mm. It was Tuesday. Tuesday? Tuesday followed by Monday. Why is the second Tuesday? I don't know. I was actually wondering, not myself. Maybe they have the Monday blues and they're like, okay, Tuesday, it's time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, maybe if they schedule a lot of them, like, later in the week, they don't want to schedule probably on Monday because they anticipate the weekend rollovers. That's true. Okay. It's a nice sweet spot. Well, that's fun. Yeah. Okay. 
I wonder if any. Yeah, it's your turn. Okay, would you like? Okay, so we're both. Oh, no, I don't get a centimeter because I got it wrong. Okay, well, is what it is. Okay, Lexi, next question. What topic? I will take fun facts. Fun facts. Okay, first fun fact question. How much did the largest baby ever born weigh to the nearest pound? 22 pounds, 8 ounces. (laughs) Did you also have that question? (laughs) (laughs) You are exactly right. That was my next question I was going to ask you. Okay, so the Guinness World of Records, the heaviest baby on record, was born in Aversa, Italy in 1955. And that baby boy was born weighing 22 pounds and 8 ounces. Do you know if he was vaginal or C-section? I don't know. I don't know either, but that is incredible. That's a big baby to be born vaginally. Yeah. That poor mother. <laughs> poor woman. All right. Well, okay. you're two centimeters dilated. Wow. It's going quick. I know. All right. Are you're you a little precipitous. Your... <laughs> are you ready for your next question? I'm ready. Okay. So we're going to go as a little TBT to our first part of this podcast. What was Jane Rowe of Jane... Or of Roe v. Wade's real name? Norma McCorvey. Woo! One centimeter. Woohoo. All right. Next up, Lexi, pick your category. Let's do gyne. Gyne. All righty. First gyne question. So you know the palm coin mnemonic. Name four causes of abnormal uterine bleeding that are listed in the palm coin mnemonic. All right. So the palm, we have P for polyps. Mm-hmm. A for adenomyosis. Yeah. A, L for leiomyoma. Mm-hmm. M is malignancy. Um, and then C coagulopathy. Mm-hmm. O is ovary or like ovary dysfunction. Yeah, I have ovulatory dysfunction. Okay. And then E is endometrial. I. Mm -hmm. and then the n is like nothing yeah not yet classified okay very bogus all right three centimeters for lexi all right all right let's see which question i'm going to give you next (laughs) what percentage of babies are born on their due date oh you can i'll take a range too a range like within 10 percent maybe yeah i would probably say like like on the specific day of their due date yeah like the specific day that was given to them in the beginning i would say like 20 to 30 percent it's actually five only five percent really yeah fun fact i was born on my due date wow good job thank you so timely <laughs> i guess that makes sense that is like a very specific day yeah yeah, yeah it's like a it's like range. an approximation anyway. yeah i guess okay all right next question what category um let's do ob ob it is so this next one is okay this one's an easy one so i'm lobbing this one to you define bradycardia and tachycardia for fetus on the fetal monitoring so we have brady uh, less than 110 yeah and then tacky greater than 160 yep you got it all right four centimeters for lexi okay and then let's go on to 
this one. I'll give you a couple of answer choices too. Okay. So what is the only flavor a newborn baby can't taste? Salt. Yeah. I read that fun fact too. Well, how cool is that? That is really, well, that's actually kind of sad. Salt is one of my favorite flavors. I did read that it's a matter of survival because breast milk is sweet and uh-huh. bitter and sour things may be harmful to a baby. So I guess that makes sense. start on solid food, they'll tend to like the same things the mom ate while pregnant. Okay. Hmm. That's good to know. Yeah. So like even if you are giving your kid french fries when you shouldn't be, they're not even enjoying it. They can't even taste it. They can't even taste it. Interesting. Wow. All right. <clears throat> Pick your next category. Which one haven't I chosen? You haven't chosen anatomy. Oof. Oh, also, we'd like to update. I'm two centimeters. Okay, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, let's do anatomy then. Okay. So next anatomy question is, name three branches of the internal iliac artery. Okay. Bringing me back to getting pimped in the OR. Let's see. So we have... Obturator is one. Uh, another we have uterine, and then pudendal. Yeah, those are three. So just a little background side educational information for those that need a refresher. So you have your anterior trunk branches and your posterior trunk branches. Of this is all of the internal iliac artery. So you have your common iliac bifurcates into your internal and your external iliac. We're kind of focusing on internal iliac because that has a lot of, it supplies a lot of the female pelvis anatomy. So a mnemonic that you can use to memorize the anterior branches or the arteries in the anterior branch are often my sexy underwear is inside my pants. Mm. So often is obturator, my is middle rectal. Sexy is superior vesicle. Underwear is uterine. Is is inferior vesicle. Um, And then inside is inferior gluteal. And then pants is pudendal. And the inferior vesicle is the vaginal in females. And then your posterior trunk, you can memorize the pills mnemonic, where the P is silent. (laughs) And then I is, well, P is for posterior, I guess. And then I is iliolumbar, L is lateral sacral, and S is superior gluteal. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, that was a little dry. Can you spice it up with a new question for me? Also, you're yeah. at five centimeters. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to give you a really fun question. Okay. How many vaginas do kangaroos have? Oh, my goodness. Well, I feel like it has to be more than one. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a pretty important question. Is there a pouch that have anything to do with this? Um, well, the cow has four stomachs, so I feel like the kangaroo has three vaginas. Wow, that's correct. Is it? Yeah, I'm wow. so proud, so impressed. Okay. So that setup actually is shared by all marsupials. And so koalas, wombats, Tasmanian devils, they all, all share the three vaginas. Wait, structure. hold up. Tasmanian devil, is that a real animal? Yeah. I thought that was just a cartoon character. No, that's real. That's a real animal? Yeah, the I have cartoon to look is up. from that. Okay. But anyway, so the side vaginas carry sperm to the two uteruses, and male marsupials even often have two-pronged penises, while the middle vagina sends the joey down to the outside world, where they can grow up in the pouch. So they have a vagina that's specifically for, like, delivering. Yeah. And then the other vaginas are specifically for sex. Yep. And the males have two penises? Mm-hmm. They have to peni? To go on, like, both sides of the vagina. Interesting. 
Huh. It's a wild world, Mercy Beals that live is, in. That is a wild one. Okay. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> is it? I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, then I'm at three centimeters, so I'm not too far behind you. Yeah. You're doing great with these questions. Thank you. Okay. All right. Pick your poison, Lexi. All right. I'll do fun facts. Fun facts. All right. Your second fun fact is... What does the word placenta in Latin mean? Hmm. Interesting. I'm going to guess something to do with like nourishment or like baby something. <laughs> nourishment of the baby. Um, you're close kind of. So it actually means a flat cake. <laughs> I was so close. Okay, but cake is like nutrients, which is really funny because like it does look like a flat cake. That's actually really funny. Yeah, it kind of looks like flan almost, you know? You're I like, think, <laughs> yeah, I think I want to start calling it the flat cake. The flat cake. Um, Lexi, could you please go deliver the flat cake? Um, Yeah, so I don't really know why that is, but that is a fun fact. And it's also related to the word plain. Because it flies out of there? I don't know. <laughs> Unless it's retained. Oh, God. Okay. Trouble on the runway? Trouble on the runway. Okay, Alexi, you're at six centimeters. You are officially in active labor. Woo. You might want to slow down because we're only 13 minutes into this podcast. Get so me an epidural. You are moving fast. <laughs> okay. All right. Are you ready for your next question? Yes. Okay. What is the term for a baby born in its amniotic sac? In its amniotic oh. Um, there's a term for this? So, like, the sac just never ruptured mm-hmm. and there was no, like, yeah, artificial rupture of membranes. Um, I don't know. Like, a sac baby? I don't know. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> so, it's called N-call. An N-call delivery. Oh. And if you had to guess... How common do you think it is? Like it is not common. One out of how many births? One in 250. Even more. It's one out of every 80,000 live births. Wow. And so most in-call births are associated with prematurity and low gravita. And many European mythologies hold that a baby born with a call or the sack cannot ever drown. That's interesting. Yeah. I guess that makes sense that it's really rare because, I mean, well, one, I've never seen or heard of that. But also, like, how could, like, a full-term baby go through this whole vaginal canal and everything and not rupture? Yeah, I wonder if, like, it's a mutation in, like, the membrane or something that oh, makes that'd it be more interesting. strong or something. Yeah. Hmm. That just seems physically impossible to I say agree. I agree. All right. Still three centimeters for me, six centimeters for Lexi. What will your next category be? I will take, let's do fun facts again. I'm like, fun facts. Okay, we only have one more fun fact. Do you still want your fun fact or should we maybe move on to more some other ones? We can do OB. OB. All right. Next OB question Explain the acronym Veal Chop. All right. So Veal Chop was taught to us by our infamous Dr. De Leon, and it was used to, uh, I don't think he came up with it, but he definitely advocates for it. <laughs> I agree. Mnemonic. But it basically helps you uh, figure out the fetal heart tracings that you see. Mm-hmm. So veal, all the letters correspond to the letters in CHOP, so like V to C, etc. 
So V is variables, um, E is early accelerations, A is acceleration, and then L is for lates, and then CHOP tells you what the etiology is. So the C is cord compression, the H is head compression, O is okay, because accelerations are okay, mm-hmm. and then the P is for placental uh, insufficiency. Yep, you're right. So just to summarize that one more time, V, variable decelerations are cord compression. And how you recognize a variable, this would be an abrupt decrease in the fetal heart rate below the baseline. And um, this is a decrease in the heart rate that has to be greater than or equal to 15 and lasts between 15 seconds and two minutes. So there are some criteria for it to be a variable. And like you look on the fetal tracing and it looks like a V for variable. Like it's very like it's a quick drop below the baseline, relatively short compared to these other ones. And then early D cells would be head compression, usually caused by uterine contraction, looks more gradual. Um, the nadir, nadir, how do you say that? I've heard both. Okay. Well, that happens at the same time as the contraction. And then accelerations, you're going to see these quite frequently on the strips. These are okay. Um, and then elates, <clears throat> this could be a sign of placental insufficiency, and this would be if you're kind of looking at a strip, you would see the onset, the nadir, and the recovery all occur after the beginning, the peak, and the end of the contraction, respectively. So, Lexi, you are up to a full seven centimeters. I feel like since things are moving so fast for you, maybe you want to slow down, take a little bit of a break. Why don't you tell me what drink you bought to brought to this um, labor and delivery floor today? <laughs> sure. I'm actually really excited about my drink today. It's called a London Fog. Ooh. So it is a black tea iced with steamed milk. And I usually get it with brown sugar cold foam, but they forgot that today. Oh, no. Yeah. It's still very good. So Lex and I were talking about this earlier. Do you really need steamed foam if you're going to make an ice drink? I feel like you could just like pour milk in there. I think the steaming process does something to it. I feel like, but then it makes your milk, it makes your ice all melty and then it gets watery. Maybe. I don't know. You know what? I've never tried it the other way. Maybe I'll have to do that next time. Yeah, you should try it. Speaking of, where's your drink today? Uh, Well, you know, it's afternoon. We are recording this session at one in the afternoon. So I, my cutoff for caffeine is around noon. So if I drink any caffeine past noon, I'll be up all, all night. So no drinks for me, but I did have coffee this morning. I decided to make my own coffee since I spent way too much over the past couple of podcasts um i made my own cinnamon dulce sauce yeah yeah i found a starbucks copycat recipe and i made my own um syrup so then i just made my espresso i poured the syrup in the espresso and then i frothed my milk and had a nice little cinnamon dulce latte at home Mm. how do you make the syrup um so it's basically you just put all the ingredients together in a pot i think it's like brown sugar regular sugar um vanilla and cinnamon you let it simmer for like five minutes that sounds delicious mm-hmm. i've really been digging the brown sugar flavor lately yeah it kind of tastes I like agree. the boba tea hmm i've never tried that kind of boba tea yeah it's very good all right well i think another contraction's coming on for lexi so <laughs> maybe we should get back to our game okay so i will take oh no no it's my turn oh, to answer oh, you want me to ask you a question? yeah all right I still have three centimeters. I need to get moving. All right. Let's see. What month are most babies born? Oh, okay. So <clears throat> I'm going to say 
so that'd be like nine months after like a valentine's day or nine months after like christmas maybe you were on the right track okay nine months after valentine's day so (laughs) january february march april may june july august september october october try again with the other holiday (laughs) with christmas okay so then it would be um august yeah that's exciting yeah so the most common birth month is august and like directly nine months after christmas which is funny oh that is funny yeah that's i don't know i find that peculiar i feel like the christmas season is like a little bit stressful and really busy yeah i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i guess i'll never know okay but was interesting that there were significantly more like august had 361,709 babies born each year in the u.s compared to the least common which has 316,891 hmm Interesting. I'm not going to tell you the least common because that's my next question. Okay. <laughs> All right. So now I'm, we're going to say I got that one right, I feel. Yeah, you got that right for sure. Okay. So now I'm four centimeters dilated. Lexi, it's your turn. Pick a topic. You haven't picked very many anatomy or gynes. All right. Let's do gyne. Okay. Next gyne question is when do you do the following screenings? Like at what age? And these screenings, the two that I'm asking you are mammogram and the DEXA scan. All right. So mammogram, you do at 40. Mm-hmm. And then a DEXA at 65. Yep. You got it right. And so I've heard other ages for mammograms, but I think um, it just depends like what resource you're using. ACOG says 40. So that's kind of what I put in this one. Um, and then the DEXA scan, postmenopausal women beginning at age 65 wonderful and that's to assess your risk for osteoporosis all right good things to know so should i now guess the next one okay so you're eight centimeters dilated only two more to go my turn now am i gonna get to guess the least month of delivered babies yes, least common month for least births. common month for births i feel like What's like nine months after July? Or, hmm. I'm going to go January is the least month. You're so close. What is it? February. February. Okay. Yeah. That was very close. I kind of want to give it to you because this is just a random fun fact. (laughs) And you're one month out. It was one month away. Well, um, now you can be four and a half centimeters dilated. All right, that works. Yeah, it's not really a thing, but <clears throat> we'll make it a thing. Okay, so the resident said I was four centimeters. The nurse said I was five centimeters. Perfect. So we're, we're like an in-between yes. situation. Okay. All right, next one. Gyne or anatomy? Gyne. Again? Okay. All right, last gyne question. Oh, no, you have two more. Okay, next question for you is... What are the USPSTF guidelines for cervical cancer screenings for women ages 30 to 65? I specifically picked this one because this one is where I always forget, where it gets tricky. All right. Let's see. I'm probably going to mess this up. But from 30 to 65, Mm -hmm. there's like multiple options. Yes. Right? So I think it's either you can do pap with co-testing every five years mm-hmm. or you can do your regular pap every three years yeah there might be one other option yes you're correct about the first two so you can do cytology alone every three years 
co-testing, you know, with the um, HRHPV in cytology every five years, or the last option is the FDA-approved primary HRHPV testing alone every five years. Oh, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that one's just a little tricky, that age range, to me, because there's three different options. But just to review, so you guys get the full scope of what we're talking about here, um, you start screening at age 21. So if you're less than 21, no screening. And then from 21 to 29, you do cytology, so regular PAP every three years. And then after 65, no screening after adequate negative prior screening results. Good to refresh on. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Hit me up with another one of your questions, Lexi. Okay. (laughs) This one, if you got it correct, I would give you like five centimeters for. Okay. What is the most popular birthday? Of all the year? Of all of it. (laughs) Okay. Well, it's probably sometime in August since we had established that's the most common month. Or is it some like magical day? I don't know. What's a magical day? Like, like a holiday? Yeah, like a holiday. Like Valentine's Day or Christmas or like April Fool's or leap year. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to go with May 26th just because that's my birthday. Aw. No, it's, it's September 9th. Ugh. So interestingly, 9 out of 10 of the most common birthdays are in September, even though the most number of babies total are born in August. Oh, interesting. That kind of reminds me of like that precision and accuracy chart. Yeah. <laughs> like the babies are very precise in September, but they're not very accurate. Yeah. Mm, I don't really think that actually makes sense, but that's one way to look <laughs> at it. I did find that really interesting though. Like yeah. why September 9th? What is it about the earth on that day? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, it's two nines, nine nine. Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. If anybody knows, please let us know. All right, Lexi, how many centimeters die? Let's take a, so I'm four, four and a half. And what are you at? I think you're at nine. Yeah. Okay. So if you get this last one right, we're getting close to the end. We're having a baby. We're having a baby. Okay. What category would you like? Anatomy? You haven't done an anatomy one in a while. All right, I'll choose anatomy. (laughs) Okay. Where do the round ligaments begin and end? They, okay, the round ligaments, they begin, they end at the labia majora. Good. I know that. Uh Uh-huh. And they begin, huh, uterine sidewalls? So close, but to be a bit more accurate, they actually begin at the uterine fundus. And if you're looking at, um, like, if you're in a laparoscopic surgery, looking on the screen, trying to identify the round ligaments, you would see that they're anterior and inferior to the fallopian tubes at the uterine fundus. So that's, that's kind right. of where they start. Um, and so it's kind of helpful to think about those correlations once you get into a surgery. So you can think, okay, there's the fallopian tube. Okay, there's the round ligament. There's this. So, yeah. Fun fact. I do find it's much easier when I'm actually looking at it. I agree. You know? It's hard to describe something out of the blue. Just yeah. like, where is that? I wonder what a kangaroo's round ligaments do. They're real busy. <laughs> they are real busy. <laughs> they have so many uteri to support. Yeah. Okay. Ask my next question, Lexi. Okay. So what was the first documented pain control for childbirth? 
Oh. It's more modern than you may think. It's not like in ancient civilization times. Is it like opium or something? Like like poppy seeds or something mm-hmm. funky? Alcohol? So it was inhaled chloroform. Oh. So Queen Victoria actually inhaled chloroform while giving birth to her eighth child, Prince Leopold, in 1853. Huh. But you were on the right track with the poppy seeds because pain relief was normalized very fast after this. So toward the end of the 19th century, American doctors were giving women heroin to help with pain. Oh. During childbirth. Heroin? Heroin. Yikes. <laughs> That's dramatic. Yeah. Um, all right. Good to know. I feel like chloroform. I guess you would kind of just wake up and have a baby then. Yeah. Well, I think sedation used to be a lot more common in general mm-hmm. for childbirth. Okay. All right, Lexi, time for your next question. What will it be? Anatomy, obstetrics, GYN, or fun facts? OB. No, fun facts. Fun facts. Let's have some fun. Okay, last fun fact for you is what is the strongest muscle in your body by weight? The uterus. Yes. Woo! Woo! Lexi's having a baby. (laughs) She's crowning. Um, So just a little extra information for you all by weight the uterus is the strongest muscle in your body a lot of people think it's the jaw the jaw is often listed as the winner is the strongest muscle but hear us out the uterus is made up of vertical and horizontal muscle fibers that intertwine to create a mighty muscle force that can birth a baby well Lexi even though you are being crowned the winner I think we should still ask each other a couple more questions what do you think sounds good to me okay so, Summer, what ligament contains the ovarian vessels? The IP ligament or yeah. the infundibulopelvic ligament. It's also known as the suspensory ligament of the ovary. Good job. Thank you. I was always asked, like, what this ligament is during surgery. I know. I always I've, point to it and ask. I know. And in surgery, which one do they always go by? Is it IP or suspensory? I, feel like, I always heard IP. Yeah, so I feel like once you're in your clinicals, it's always the IP ligament, but in school, sometimes it's so commonly referred to as suspensory, and that confused me initially, so. Yeah, I remember even once answering suspensory, and I was told it was wrong and that it was the IP. Yeah, <laughs> just because, yeah, funny situations. Yeah. All right, Lexi, next question for you. I'm going to do another anatomy one. Okay. Can you explain the mnemonic water under the bridge? Yeah, so this helps explain the orientation of the uterine artery in relation to the ureter. Mm-hmm. So the uterine artery, which, you know, in this case is known as the bridge, runs over the ureter and lateral to the cervix. Yeah, I think I even read somewhere that it's like 1.5 centimeters um, lateral to the cervix. So you got to get pretty close to the cervix to avoid the ureter. Yeah, I feel like that's a really dangerous area there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. So what are the cardinal movements of Lieber? Cardinal movements. All right. Let's take this. I know them in theory, but there's a lot of words that go along with this. So I think first we have engagement Mm -hmm. and then descent. So baby coming down. Yep. Then baby flexes its head. Mm -hmm. So like kind of chin tuck and then rotates internally. Yep. And then extension of the head, external rotation, and then expulsion. Beautiful. I always love the word expulsion. Me too. (laughs) 
All right. I think this is our last question of the entire game, Lexi. Okay. This is a guide one. What is the primary mechanism of action of levonorgestrel IUDs? Mm-hmm. So they mostly are going to affect the cervical mucus. So they change the amount, the quantity that you have, and then also how viscous the mucus is. So it's pretty much impenetrable to sperm. Okay. Sounds good. So no sperm can get in. Right. All right. Sounds good. Lexi beat me to her dilation. She's crowned the winner. And has your baby been expulsed yet? It's expulsed. (laughs) What are you going to name it? We'll name it Trivia Tommy. Trivia Tommy sounds good. (laughs) All right. And oh, it's a Tuesday. So you fall under the most common birthday. You see? Too bad it's not September 9th. I know. It's December 13th. So Mm. Trivia Tommy, born December 13th on a Tuesday at 1.46 p.m. Happy birthday. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. I hope you had fun today and we'll join you back next time. Bye, everyone.